Let us pray. Gracious God, you have given us the gift of this story, this woman at the well, to teach us how to see you and respond in faith. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Last time I was with you here, we talked about holy ground and how sometimes in our lives we need to take off our shoes and realize that God is present in a remarkable way. And this is one of those times. It was a very long gospel reading. You had to stand for a while. Uh, but there was something very important offered in this lesson. And I'd like to pull out a few pieces that will help us on our journey. Because this isn't just about some woman in some city once upon a time. This is about us encountering the living God and the phases we go through in that revelation. Because it's never super simple. When God reveals God's self to us, it's pretty predictable to go through the following phases. Resistance, confusion, curiosity, awe, praise, and going out. In her response is perfectly reflected the journey of discipleship. And what I want to encourage you is wherever you are in that journey, whether you're in the resistance place or you're in the awe place or somewhere in between, you are right where you need to be. And that if you will stick with it, if you will simply engage, God will lead you to that moment where you hear Jesus saying, I am he, the one speaking to you. And then everything flows out of that. So that's what we're going to be looking at this morning. Before I go into the story, though, about the woman at the well, I want to tell you a story um, of when I was 23 and an encounter that I had that was surprising and brought God real close, real quick. Some of you know that after college, um, I was in that phase where I was discerning what I wanted to do, who I wanted to be, um, and I decided to go volunteer full-time at a place called Christ House in Washington, D.C. So some do the Peace Corps. For me, it was um, living with homeless men who were sick um, and helping them in their recovery and their journey and me being helped in mine. And so during the day, I would work in administration, kind of keep the operation going. Sounds familiar to something I do now. But at night, I would drive the outreach van. And I would go into D.C. and I would find these folks, wherever they may be living, sleeping by the monuments, camping under the bridges. And we would bring them medical care, some simple supplies, but more importantly, connection. Just a friendly face asking them how they're doing. And so that combination of the work I was given to do, but also the stretch I was being asked to do as I lived with these men and as I went out into the city was life-changing. There's one aspect about my time in Christ House uh, that was unique to anything I've ever done in my life. You know, we're here for the Eucharist. We come, we know the form, we listen to the word, we praise, we have communion. There, it was called table fellowship, and it was every Thursday evening. And sitting around these tables would be homeless residents, very wealthy people from the suburbs and everything in between. And every person there knew they needed to be there, that they needed to be fed with living water and the bread of heaven. And that dinner that we would have together reminded me so much of the kingdom of God, 
that God is calling all of us in whatever station we might be in to break bread, to share our stories, to praise and to worship and celebrate the Eucharist. I've never experienced anything so um, immediately iconic of the kingdom of God. So I love table fellowship. I look forward to it every week. And one week, um, I happened to have to my right a homeless man named Henry, who was actually kind of further along in the process and had gone through quite a bit of recovery. And so he was just talking about the gratitude he felt for having his life back, for being sober. Um, He was getting ready to contact his kids for the first time in decades. And he was scared about that. So he's talking about that here. And across from me is an older man, French accent, who doesn't speak much. He listens to our conversation. He interjects a few things, um, but he's very quiet. And we have our Eucharist together, and we wrap up, and we're getting ready to um, say goodbye. And I look at the Henry across from me, across the table, the one who's been quiet. And I'm like, you look so familiar, but what is your last name? And he said, Nowen. It was Henry Nowen. And he had come to Christ's house to be on retreat because he did that. He would take a break from his work with the the men that he worked with, the ones who had disabilities, and would come apart. He would come to a place and rest and refresh. And he said, shh, don't tell anyone. I don't want anyone to know I'm here. And he just so happens had been incredibly important in my journey in college. That was where I deepened my life in Christ, reading his books And my decision to come to Christ's house was based in part on his service with the people that he worked with. And here he was across from me at the table. It gives me chills to this day to realize who my table guest was. So I invite you, as I talk about the woman on the well, I'd like you to think about those moments in your life when God came to you and revealed God's self to you, perhaps unexpectedly. Or perhaps it was in the guise of one who you're familiar with, a spouse, a child, a friend, a teacher, and you're not really sure you're hearing the voice of Jesus. But something in that connection, in that holy ground, you realize, wow, God is speaking to me through this person. Because that's how God uses us. That's the abundant life that God promises to us, is to reveal God's self in all of our situations, wherever we are. And I actually have a theory My theory is that every moment is numinous, numinous meaning the presence of God, that the spirit of God is so woven into the stuff of creation that if we had half an idea of God's closeness to us in every moment, we would be in that moment of awe more often than we realize. So let's look again at this um, story about the woman at the well. And there's a lot about it that I know you know. Some of you may be hearing it for the first time. And so there will be other sermons where you get to unpack all the complexities. There's a particular part that I want us to focus on, which is the woman's stages in recognizing Jesus and all the boundaries that had to be crossed in order for her to be able to perceive it. And that Jesus was crossing boundaries in a healthy way to help break through some of the um, fixed ideas that she had been given. So Jesus has been traveling. He comes to the well. It's midday. The disciples go to the town to get some food, and a woman comes out to draw water. 
And much is made actually about whether she is an outcast, she's coming midday, um, whether she is a sinner, but actually the text is silent on that. A lot of what we put on the Samaritan woman, we have done in interpretation and it's not necessarily wrong, but I would ask you to lift some of those assumptions about her, lift some of those judgments. All we know is that she's a single woman coming in the middle of the day to draw water and there's Jesus, a Jew and a stranger. That is right there dangerous. It is true the Jews and the Samaritans did not get along. And it is also true that men do not speak to women privately that are not their family relations. So at the very beginning, the listener would have kind of tensed what is about to happen. Jesus begins simply, give me something to drink, kind of bold. And the woman doesn't give him water. She begins with her resistance. She begins with her questions. Who are you talking to me, a woman? and a Samaritan, and you a Jew. She's very fixed on the stuff of water, of the earth. And then Jesus begins his process of revelation. If you knew the gift of God, and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would give you living water. So what Jesus is beginning to do, and I feel like this happens in our life all the time, takes our hand in the stuff we know, but then points to something we do not know and is the bridge to this greater understanding that we need to have. So he says, if you knew who I was, you would ask me for living water. But the woman is still stuck in the actual water of the well. Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob that you will somehow give me water that is better than what Jacob has given? Jesus continues, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but those who drink of the water that I give them will never be thirsty. The water that I give them will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. Do you hear that sense of abundance, that sense of the so much more than we can imagine? The woman now is confused, but she's also curious. Give me this water so that I may never be thirsty. And I imagine that she's actually kind of rolling her eyes. She's not all in yet. Give me this water so that I may never be thirsty. Almost a challenge. And then Jesus in this moment recognizes her completely because he knew her. And that's why he engaged her at the well. He knows her better than she knows herself. And he reveals to her her relationship with not one husband, but many husbands. And a commentary I was reading pointed out that in that time, there was Leverite marriage, which if you marry one and that person dies, the other brother then marries you and so on. So again, I ask you to withhold that judgment and to say, somehow Jesus knew things about her personal life that a stranger would have no way of knowing. And the reason I say that is because in the sentences that follow, there is no judgment. There is no go and sin no more. There is no shame. It's just simply he reveals the information about her husband's. And then she says, sir, I see that you are a prophet. So now she is in, now she is stepping toward, trying to go through the frames in her mind of how do I apprehend what is happening? And so prophet is actually the highest praise that she can give. Sir, I see that you are a prophet. And then talks about where does the Messiah come to us? Is it going to be on this mountain where the Samaritans worship? Is it going to be in Jerusalem, right? She's caught in this, where is God? Um, and how can I be perceiving God through a Jew when it's on this holy mountain that I know God and it's at the temple that you know God? And then Jesus talks about worshiping God in spirit and truth. He liberates the experience of God from a place 
from a mountain and basically opens it up to all of us and says it's not in those places that God is contained. It is in spirit and in truth. It is in that spirit-filled matter that is within you that wants to cry out in praise of God. That's why the psalmist talks about the mountains singing God's praise or the trees clapping their hands. If the creation understood who was their maker, everybody would fall on their knees in worship of God. And so Jesus is seeing a time when it's beyond the Jewish law, when it's beyond the Samaritan mountain, when it's beyond our contemporary service and our traditional service and Episcopalianism and whatever it is, to say, I am going to be revealed in all people and I want you to be the harbingers of it. I want you to be the bearers of this message so that people recognize the God within them. In a sense, we're called to quicken the spirit of others through the way that the spirit has quickened us. The woman now is getting to the heart of the matter. I know that Messiah is coming. Something in her is recognizing something in him. And what does Jesus say? It's actually, I am. Jesus says, I am. Where have we heard that before? It's Moses and God. When Moses says, what is your name? And God says, I am who I am. And in this fourth chapter of John, we have Jesus revealing himself as the Messiah to a Samaritan woman at a well. And that changes everything. She leaves her jar. She runs into town. She tells everyone she sees, he cannot be the Messiah, can he? See how it's still sinking in? Now she, she knows it, but she doesn't know it. And she's wrestling with that. Um, but we see very quickly that not only her, but her whole town uh, is in awe of Jesus and in praise of what he's done. And as you see in this story, she's sent out. And I sometimes want to say to us who have an experience of God, who encounter God, you do not leave it at the church. Take your transformation and go into the world and tell the people you see, he cannot be the Messiah, can he? Because that completes the discipleship journey. If we stop with the awe and the praise and the worship, we have cut off the ability for other people's spirits to be quickened with our spirit. And so that's my encouragement to you. When we do that dismissal, go in peace to love and serve the Lord. That's not just the end. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Go out. Bless others with this God whom you've encountered. I want you to hear this Lent that Jesus is saying, I am. I am he, the one who is speaking to you. I want you to relax your categories, your expectations of who Jesus will come to you as. The spouse with whom you are fighting the child with whom you are exasperated, the church staff member who you are frustrated with. I didn't say me. They may have a word to bear to you. They may have a, a way that they can quicken your spirit, but you need to set aside your judgments and your preconceptions to hear it. The whole earth is filled with the abundance of God's love. Everything on earth is filled with God's spirit. And that's why we know that we can worship in spirit and truth because God is all around us, between us, through us. In this Lent, in just a few weeks, in two weeks, we will start a course called Alpha. And Alpha is meant for you. 
And it's also meant for people who are not yet here. And I need you to bear this word because this course is remarkable in that it is for the newcomer. It is for the one who doesn't know the name of Jesus necessarily or knows it badly because it's been misused. But they know questions of meaning. What's the meaning of life? Why am I here? How do I fill that hunger that I can't fill with drugs or sex or alcohol or whatever it might be? How do I get in touch with that living water and that bread of heaven? And in this course, with no judgment and no expectation of church background, we invite people into a conversation, literally. I do about this much of it, and the rest of it is in the small group where lay leaders facilitate a conversation about what, about what matters most in life. That begins on March 28th, and it runs through May 16th. And I need your help spreading the word. You may be called to be in it, but you may be know somebody who would be blessed by it. And everything you need to know is in your booklet for that. So wherever you are in your journey, resistance, confusion, curiosity, awe, praise, or going out, know that God is revealing God's self to us continually and that we are bearers of the good news. Amen.